Lawyers and business executives routinely use visual elements during their presentations in trials and in corporate boardrooms. But just how important are visuals to making an effective presentation? Well, it turns out they're critical. In fact, seeing really is believing, but you got to do it right. Jones Day partner and best-selling author Carrie Ruttenberger is here to explain. I'm Dave Dalton. You're listening to Jones Day Talks Litigation. Welcome to Jones Day Talks Litigation. Carrie Ruttenberg is a Jones Day business and tort litigation partner in the firm's Washington office. She's also a noted author. Her book, Images with Impact, Design and Use of Winning Trial Visuals, is an ABA bestseller and available now on Amazon.com. Carrie's here to talk about her book and how you can use visual images effectively to make your presentations connect with an audience. Carrie, first, congratulations. Anyone who's written a book, thought about writing a book, trying to write a book, knows exactly how difficult that is. Oh, thanks very much, Dave. Talk a little bit, if you will, about how the book came to be, how long it took you to do it, and just describe the process for us. Yeah, I, I think if I uh, knew then what I know now, it might have not happened. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> it was uh, it was really something else. Um, it, it took about two years, um, but it's funny, now that I look back on it, I, I really think it was a long time coming. Uh, my college background is in psychology and law, and I've been an avid photographer for years, and all three of those interests, law, psychology, and visual arts, really came together for me when I first started working with jury visuals 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and then at, over the years, I've learned a, a lot from graphic designers that I've worked with in cases and through interviewing jurors about visuals. And around 10 years ago, I started teaching programs on effective visuals and, and just loved doing that and eventually realized I, I wanted to write a book and create a resource of sorts that presenters could keep on their shelves to really refer to any time they're creating a presentation. I, I wanted it to be practical and give examples to show what works and why it works. And I was incredibly lucky to have four terrific graphic design firms sign on very early to help with the book. So a lot of the visuals uh, certainly were designed or created by right. me, but a, a lot of others were professionally designed. And, you know, if you flip through the book, that's why so many of these images just really mm -hmm. are visually stunning. I'm looking at a review from presentyourstory.com. I won't read the whole thing, of course, but uh, this was glowing. One passage I particularly liked was the reviewer said, the reason why I so enjoyed reading it is that she has taken all the conventional presentation design wisdom and synthesized it into a practical handbook with real-world examples and practice on nearly every page. I appreciated hearing that. That really, that really meant a lot. I mean, I, frankly, this is the book I wish I had when I was starting out. So I, I put a lot into it, and, um, and seeing those kinds of reviews, is, it really is affirming. Hey, you mentioned uh, your presentations that you do regarding visuals for trial yeah. lawyers and I think other professionals. You're still doing that, correct? You're not leaving the road like some fed-up rock star or something. You're still <laughs> out there doing your presentation, I hope. Absolutely. I, I love giving the presentation. I travel all over the country. I speak to groups regularly about effective visuals and obviously talk to trial lawyers a good deal, but I vary the presentation based on the audience. And I've spoken to expert consultants, students, judges, marketing executives. I speak a lot to in-house counsel too. They are often in the position of overseeing litigation matters 
or making presentations themselves to boards of directors. And so it, it really is a, a very fulfilling aspect of what I do to, to teach the course. Well, obviously, and given your background, you described it very well earlier, this was a, a great project for you. And being a very good trial litigator, a trial lawyer, this is a niche, but I've got to believe there's broader appeal for the book than just people in the legal community. Are you getting responses from people in other industries? Constantly. Um, and, and in fact, it's funny that the review that you read from um, was written by someone who's not in the legal industry at all. He's a, uh -huh. a presentation and, and visual communications expert. And uh, and that, that really meant a lot to me. I've gotten a number of other very positive reviews, but they're from folks who are in this legal world. Um, and so to have somebody you know, pick up the book and recognize the broad appeal was uh, was really tremendous. Hey, before we leave the presentation track for a second, if someone's interested, how do they contact you if they want to book Carrie to talk about visual presentations? Uh, people just can can email me through Jones Day at kruttenberg uh, at jonesday.com. I'd, I'd be happy to talk with anyone about it. Let's talk about the book in particular, Images with Impact. You talk about memory, cognition, and how important visuals can be in making a case, especially in a trial situation. You cite some studies that have been done on groups listening to presentations and on juries in particular that I think guided you through the book and, and maybe some of your presentation philosophy. Talk about some of the studies you ran across. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, this is how I start the, the book and my presentation. Uh, to me, this is uh, kind of answering the question, why does all this matter? And, um, you know, the results of the studies really aren't that surprising to anyone who tries cases or gives presentations, but I still find the statistics really jarring. By way of example, there's a, a jury study done in 1963, so a while ago now, that showed that uh, two-thirds of jurors fall asleep at some point during trial. Wait, wait, say, say that again. I hope I didn't hear what I just thought I heard. You did, that at some point during trial, and of course this is going to be magnified in a longer trial, two-thirds of the jurors are going to be falling asleep at some point, which means, by the way, that some of this information that lawyers think they're summarizing for jurors in closing argument is information they're hearing for the first time. That statistic is terrifying enough from 63. Discouraging. Um, yeah. it, it is discouraging, and, and we've got to design our visuals with that in mind. And, and frankly, more recent studies add to that. It, we, we're finding that jurors will immediately forget two-thirds of the information we present to them, and that ultimately they're making decisions based on three or four salient facts. And of course, we don't know which ones. That factual issue uh, seems to be true regardless of the length of the trial. Um, and in part, it's because so much information is coming at our jurors and they've got to process it all and figure out how it fits into uh, the story that really resonates with them. I mean, jury trials are, are a lot storytelling. And so they end up latching on to three or four facts and they may be three or four different facts for different jurors. But it means that lawyers can't just rest assured that simply because they introduce certain evidence or bring in certain testimony through a witness, that that will automatically be part of the jury's deliberation. It, it may not. Are jurors usually allowed to take notes? You know, in my experience, it's usually a judge decision. Um, okay. Sometimes the judge will elicit the preferences of counsel, and if counsel can agree on whether they get to take notes or not then that might govern the trial. Mm -hmm. Most of the cases that I try, my juries are allowed to take notes. Importantly, though, that doesn't mean they will, and it doesn't mean that they all will. 
But when jurors are allowed to take notes, and I, I talk about this in my presentation a lot, you've got to design your visuals with that in mind. So, for example, if they can take notes and you've got a really important exhibit that you want to talk about, put the exhibit number on the slide. Call it out to them. Show them where it is. And if they're note takers and they write it down in their yeah. notes, it increases the likelihood they'll look at that exhibit later. Jurors fall asleep. They base decisions on just a couple of points they manage to hear when they're not nodding off and so forth. It seems like visuals are very important in terms of getting over those kinds of challenges you describe as a presenter or as a trial lawyer in this case. Are professional presenters using visuals effectively enough? Sometimes yeah. yes, sometimes no. First of all, you're right. I mean, the consistent takeaway from the, the many studies conducted over the years on visual perception and visual communication is that using visuals makes a difference in how humans communicate and the effectiveness of that communication. But in terms of whether lawyers and others are, are using those visuals to their advantage, I, I think sometimes it depends on whether they've put thought into the design of the visuals and on how they're being used. Let's be honest, right? Most of us just type the text we intend to speak onto the slide. Sure, sure. the little circles. And the problem is there's nothing visual or visually memorable about that. When we do that, we're just using the slide as a crutch. It's really to help us. And what we need to do to your question, using visuals to our advantage, is really flip the thinking and design the visuals with the audience in mind, whether that's jurors, judges, clients, students, customers, other professionals, and I would add whether we're showing those visuals on computer-generated slides like in PowerPoint or another program, or whether we're using lower tech mediums like uh, enlarged boards, or even if we're just submitting visuals on paper in an expert report or a mm -hmm. summary judgment motion. At a very basic level, you talk about when someone's starting out with visuals, you say, ask yourself as you're preparing, what is the point? What do you mean by that? And step us through, how can that help you create better visuals? Absolutely. Well, I do urge presenters to start by asking, what's the point? And then keep asking that as they're designing their visuals and do it again when they're done. And it's really because there's a natural tendency when we're designing visuals to let the design overtake the data or the, the message that we're trying to convey. And that happens with any kind of visual, including just text-based visuals where we include way too much text. But it's especially true when using more graphically oriented visuals like maps or timelines or diagrams. You know, the, the point might be showing where companies are located throughout the United States. But then we use a map that's got all sorts of distracting topography, or we label irrelevant state names and oceans, and we just don't need any of that detail. It's distracting and, and detracts from the message. So instead, what I urge people to do is keep asking, what's the point? And then design the visual to address that and only that. We're talking with Jones Day partner, Carrie Ruttenberg. She's the author of Images with Impact, Design and Use of Winning Trial Visuals. It's available now on Amazon.com. Carrie, if you had to single out one thing, what's the most important thing to remember about creating and using effective visuals for presentation purposes? I guess I would go back to really what is the whole theme of my book and the presentation, which is that everything we show our jurors, and I'm, I might expand that to any other presentation audience, 
really should be designed to advance at least one of three goals. And I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. We need to help our audience understand, believe, and remember our messages. Understand, believe, and remember? That's exactly right. Okay. I think all three of those, as long as everything we're saying and everything we're showing is designed to advance at least one of those goals, it might advance more than one. But mm-hmm. to me, that's the, the most important takeaway. And I think if I had to pick one tip for accomplishing all of that, it would be to keep in mind that every single element on our visuals should be there for a reason. Everything, every word, every line, every photograph, every event on a timeline, each of those elements takes some of the viewer's attention to comprehend. So we have to make every element count. Well, you made the point earlier, and we we talked about it at a little bit of length in terms of how rare and precious attention is in a jury setting. So I guess you need to make the most out of every opportunity. So everything in your visual presentation had better be there for a darn good reason. And there ought to be some sort of takeaway for the person seeing it, I would think. Well, I, I, I think that's right. And I would add to that, that in the jury setting, you may only have one shot at presenting this information. If this is a demonstrative and it's not admitted into evidence such that it goes back with the jurors and is in the jury room during their deliberations, if they didn't get it the first time and the only time that you displayed that visual, you don't have another chance. Whereas some other presentations that we do, that I do, you know, you might leave a copy of your slides or, or give them a handout, um, or frankly, they can ask questions in the middle of your presentation. And the jury setting is incredibly unique. So I think what yeah. you said is, is really critical to keep in mind in a jury setting. When you talk about common visual tools, you go into some detail in the book. What, what do you mean by those and how do they work? I do go into detail on common visual tools, and they're things like maps, timelines, charts and graphs, photographs, diagrams. We rely on tools like that very often because they're effective. They're strong visual communicators when, of course, they're designed and used effectively. And that's a good thing because part of the benefit of those tools is their very commonality. And that's why I spend a while talking about that in the book and and certainly in my presentation. I mean, when we see a map, we instinctively know how it works and how to read it. And the same thing can be said about a, a timeline or an organizational chart. So when we're presenting those common visual tools, we don't have to waste time explaining how a map or an org chart works. And that allows us to focus, instead of on the design, on the substance of the visual, the message that we want people to understand, believe, and remember. Yeah, I noticed too, and this surprised me a little bit, when I was going through images with impact, you spent a lot of time talking about graphic design. And I, I know that's part of your background and certainly an interest, but you talked about graphic design and principles and so forth. Why is that important for a trial litigator or a professional presenter to understand graphic design principles, how it works? It really boils down to the fact that, to me, effective visuals require effective design. And we don't always have the luxury of a graphic designer on our trial team or the ability to hire a professional to create our presentation slides. And I have to say, I can't take credit for the fact that there's an entire section in the book on graphic design. That actually came from, in the early years of my giving the presentation on visuals, I didn't include a graphic design section. And I would have people come up to me afterwards and say, gosh, you know, that was a great presentation, learned a lot, but we don't always have a budget 
for somebody who knows what they're doing, are there any tips that you can provide? And that, that was so well received in the live presentation, and I, and I still do it, that I included it in the book because understanding some really basic graphic design concepts can make a huge difference for presenters. And that's both when we're creating our own slides and, frankly, when we're editing slides that were made by someone else. So if it's a, you know, an assistant or a paralegal or an associate or another colleague or even a professional graphic designer, if you understand the concepts and, frankly, the vocabulary, the communication is much more effective and efficient. And ultimately, the effectiveness of the visuals depends on how clearly they communicate the message and the design, graphic design principles, the design of the visuals is really key to that. And that visual tone is going to impact everything, including the viewer's perception of our credibility. Sure, sure. And I think not only does being able to talk the language help you put together a better presentation, either yourself or whoever's assisting you with that, it can also open up a door to some more creativity too. You have these things at your disposal and you start becoming familiar with, with concepts, you can surprise yourself sometimes at what you might be able to come up with. So I think it's good. I think uh, that was a, my favorite part of the book, but I'm not a professional reviewer, but I, I thought that was an interesting, <laughs> interesting chapter. I enjoyed it. One more thing before we wrap this up, and this is not just about visual presentations or litigation work, but there's this movement afoot in society. Everybody wants things simplified. Simplify, simplify, simplify. Less is more. Shorten it up. Make it simple. You know what? In a trial setting, probably there's certain information, certain data, certain facts, certain whatever that doesn't lend itself to simplification, number one. Number two, there are going to be instances where the complexity actually works in your favor. I mean, for the people you're representing, complexity is inherent or important to your case. How do you cope with that in terms of what works visually? How do you boil down something or, or make it palatable, I guess, even though it's complex? It, it is. And I have to say, Dave, I mean, that, that is an essential point and I think very insightful one that just gets lost in the shuffle. And as you say, sometimes the very message that you want to convey is complexity. And, and I would say not even just in the jury setting, but even when you're speaking, um, you know, you might be trying to talk to a board of directors and explain how complex a particular problem is um, or explaining something to a government agency, for example. You might want to show a lot of something, you know, a, a lot of reasons why someone might have acted a certain way or a lot of efforts that a company took to comply with regulations. And so busy or complex visuals may actually be important because they're creating a visual memory of an important theme. So to your question of how do you cope with it, um, I guess I'd say two things. Uh, first, when complexity is the message, we shouldn't be looking to simplify. What we're trying to do is clarify present the information in a clear way or it won't be understood or remembered. And I think the second point is the way in which we do it um, is what I alluded to earlier and I, and I call a volume build. It's basically you end up with a complex visual, but you build it in front of the viewer's eyes, whether that's a jury or another presentation audience. And so whether it's concept by concept or, for example, if you have a flow chart um, or an organizational chart, and it gets very complicated, building it in front of them, you know, it doesn't take any longer to show three points on three separate slides yes. than those same three points on one slide. 
So if you present the information in a careful, controlled way, then you're explaining and helping foster understanding where the endpoint you get to is the very complexity that you want to convey. Kerry Ruttenberg, this has been great. The book's a game changer. The review's been absolutely stellar and justifiably so. Contact Kerry at kruttenberg at jonesday.com. That's K-R-U-T-T-E-N-B-E-R-G at jonesday.com. We have another conversation with Carrie coming up. She'll explain how to spot misleading visuals in courtroom illustrations, marketing materials, and just about everywhere else. Thanks for listening to Jones Day Talks Litigation. I'm Dave Dalton. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Jones Day Talks. Comments heard on Jones Day Talks should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. The opinions expressed on Jones Day Talks are those of lawyers appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information, please visit jonesday.com.